nothing. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Squat Cobbler. This is Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. And I am Dr. Mike at Official Pagan on Everything, and we are joined today by a very special guest. Hi, I'm Mel at Karmic9 everywhere. And also from Nurture Port. So Mike Mike uh, crashes our party a lot, so it's like it'd be really cool to have Mel on Squat Cobbler uh, more often than we have in the past, and particularly given the topic matter, because Nurture and Support listeners should know well that Mel's a gamer and has a lot of familiarity with video games, and we've been promising to start to do more video game-related content on Squat Cobbler, and this is going to be the first episode where we start to talk uh, video games a little bit more as we prepped for the show. So the plan for the show is to talk about early exposure to video games and arcades and what were your favorite games kind of when when it all started. I think Mike has a base to go off of to share. I certainly have a base to go off to share. But then Mel shared her circumstances. <laughs> and so why, why don't you why don't you explain why do, you know covering arcade action per se might be difficult for you? Well, as nurture and support listeners know, I don't live in an urban area. I didn't really grow up in an urban area. And so we don't have arcades out here. We didn't. I don't know anywhere that has arcades now. Maybe y'all do because y'all live closer to a city. But I didn't get to go to the classical thought of an arcade. The closest I came to was Chuck E. Cheese. And our local convenience store, which I think was a 7-Eleven, had a couple of um, arcade games in there. So until we got home game machines, consoles like Atari, we didn't get to game a whole lot. Well, as we kind of ex- share our first exposures, you can either regale us with the 7-Eleven selection <laughs> or if you want to talk about maybe some of your first, uh, some of the very first PC-based game you started to play and enjoy, we can kind of kind of go that way. I'll kick us off a little bit uh, in that, I guess, but one, one tangent before then. There are arcades now. In fact, one of the things, I know there's one of these in Vegas, and oddly enough, you know, the two cities that run parallel, Vegas and Bloomington, Illinois. In Bloomington, Illinois, they have a mm-hmm. place called 8-Bit, and it's one of those places you go in and you give them 20 bucks, and then it's just rows and rows of pinball machines and classical arcade games and kind of Chuck E. Cheese for adults. Uh, so it's a pretty cool deal. I believe there's a bar involved as well. <laughs> so it's good. It's a good deal. That makes it better. Always does. But my primary arcade experience was we did not live too far from the Goshen, Indiana Holiday, which had something called a holodome. And a holodome sounds like maybe something where people battle at the Holiday Inn, but it was actually just a pool <laughs> underneath a big open area pool and I think like a two-hole putt-putt there. So that was the holodome. Go on vacation and kids could go swim and play putt-putt two-hole. But also attached was a gamer, and it would contain typically between five and ten pinball machines and then the rest arcades so pac-man's there space invaders asteroids and all that so that's really where i kind of cut my teeth on on video games and for me personally the games that i gravitated to the most and played them were deluxe asteroids joust and came a little later in there but dragon's lair was also a pretty pretty fun one as well very a very different experience for those familiar with dragon dragon's lair it was more of kind of like you make your own story where you're presented with choices left right forward 
and it's using a video disc kind of deal. And so you kind of connect the streams and most of the times you die. But graphics were fun. It was really, really cool and unique for its time. There's some really good videos on the drag well. But and it was more of a story lot. Joust, I think probably even to this date's my all-time favorite arcade game because you had a little bit of your phys physics with the uh, ostriches that you were flying on and strategy to kind of collect the eggs and all those types of things. Fun and you could do one or two player transforms also. So I'd kind of go for me personally, Joust, Asteroids, Space Invaders is always fun. Oh, and Galaxia, of course, Mother. That's kind of my short list. I'll be quite interested in hearing what a young Dr. Mike, pre-medical school, <laughs> played. <laughs> so so I was lucky enough to grow up in an area where, where there were arcades. Just to comment on what Kelly was saying really quickly, though, for anyone who doesn't know, and we should definitely hashtag this in there because there's a lot of trending videos about it. Um, II Arcade is coming out with a Dragon's Lair branded cabinet. So it's like a limited edition pre-order thing, Kelly. If you're, <laughs> if you're a real Dragon's Lair fan and want to add another cabinet to your house. I can just add it to my Legends Ultimate. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just drop it on there. That's Remember, Mike? That's, that's I, I got into Dragon's Lair, maybe. What was that? <laughs> I said I, I got into Dragon's Lair late, but those sort of like quick time action adventure games, though, I was into. I just didn't find out about Dragon's Lair until later. So growing up in a, in a major coastal city, you had all the, the short towns that everybody flocks to in the summer filled with arcades. There's always like big arcades there. Those would basically just rotate out whatever the big games of the season were since it was entirely tourist based just to kind of get people coming in locally near us pretty much any store like pizza shop video games or video store or anything like that would have some sort of video game selection whether it was arcade cabinets or they would have consoles set up or anything like that my favorite though uh, my first job my first real job other than like delivering flyers and things like that was uh, when i was in grade school i got a job stocking shelves at a porn shop that was a few blocks from my house and there was a toy store that was in that same little strip mall as the porn shop. So when I would finish up at the porn shop, I would go over to the toy store. It was the only toy store in the area that also sold cigarettes. <clears throat> so it was a really popular place and they had a Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet in there and kids would just be packed in there all day playing each other in Mortal Kombat and smoking cigarettes. Gee, so Mike, your life is a John Waters movie. <laughs> it just... <laughs> My my first childhood job was the porn shop, and the toy store nearby sold cigarettes. It's disturbing. <laughs> so many levels. I'm searching for the one right but, thing about but that. But explains a lot. <laughs> Yeah, Mortal Kombat was was the biggest for me as a kid. Like that was the big one. That was the first cabinet that I bought when we got the bunker here. But yeah, Mortal Kombat was always a really big one. I did prior to building the the arcade here in the bunker though. I did once um there there is actually there's a place not in Philadelphia but right outside of Philadelphia maybe 20 minutes from me. They service old arcade cabinets, pinball tables, all that kind of stuff. They sell them as well, sell them and rent them for events and things like that. And they'll go looking or hunting for arcade cabinets for you. And you had mentioned uh, Space Invaders, one of my favorites. Did you ever play uh, Satan's Hollow? Yeah. So that was sort of, for anybody who's not familiar, it's sort of a nope. horror Space Invaders clone. I did have them hunt down a Satan's Hollow cabinet for me once. The cabinet for that looks amazing if anybody wants to Google it. <laughs> they were able to track it down for me, but 
the the price was astronomical and <laughs> we just couldn't come and i understand and it's just because it needed a lot of work it was a weird custom cabinet it's not like so for anybody who doesn't know a thing that started happening in arcades for a little while was they were they had like cpus that they could just switch out and switch out artwork and things like that so they didn't have to keep replacing the cabinets but certain games had like very specific customized cabinets with them satan's hollow was one of those it had like an overhang over the top of it with like a black light and stuff like that. It was very cool. So I can understand why they wanted the substantial amount that they did, but it was outside of my price range. This is really just a plea to arcade one up <laughs> to make a Satan's hollow <laughs> for me. <laughs> and provide it to all hosts on the show. All guests on the show should get a copy so that we can experience it and provide perfectly, absolutely perfectly reasonable thing to do with a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> the pack of cigarettes. And I'm guessing, and I'm guessing the Satan's hollow game in, in your neighborhood was in the church, right? You know, that was, that was just, just to kind of complete the story. Yeah, I was in the church rec room. It so. was funny, too, because the, apparently the early arcade one-up cabinets didn't have that plastic protector over the control section of the unit and that was something they they very quickly adjusted but i remember those on the mortal kombat games having like big cigarette burns in them from the kids smoking and playing at the same time because for a second i was like to be authentic i really kind of need to burn the plastic protector on my mortal kombat cabinet that's a choice i, guess. I don't remember there being cigarette burns <laughs> familiar. I'm not going to lie. The nephews would look pretty badass smoking and playing Mortal Kombat. And the hits keep coming. <laughs> so, <it's... laughs> I mean, I'm not going to do that, but they would look really cool. So, so Mel, I'm not going to ask you to kind of go toe to toe with Mike on your first job. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think. I have never worked in a porn shop. <laughs> so I'm uninteresting. <laughs> there's, there's only one person on this show that has been. Oh. But so. So, yeah, my, my, er, I, I'm trying, I've been trying to remember what game would have been my, the earliest experience that I had with one. And I don't, I don't know if I remember. I'm pretty sure if we're going to go for an actual arcade style game that was at the convenience store, they had two. And I don't remember. I don't know if I remember exactly what the other one was, but one of them was Yars Revenge. And um, we played we played that quite a bit. That was probably one of the first ones at an actual arcade or actual arcade style that I played. We didn't really have access to a lot of pinballs. So I was older the first time I um, ever played a pinball machine, which also I wasn't tall enough to see the table. But um I don't have any idea what pinball games I played back then. But we played the hell out of Yars Revenge and Centipede, but I think that was on console. We got an Atari at way up not long after we got our first TV in color, we got an Atari and of course played Pong like every other old person out there. One of my earliest memories of a game that we played was something really very few people have of my experience have heard of. It was a 7-Up branded game. Do y'all remember the old 7-Up mascot that was just the red spot and they put arms and legs on him and he wore shades? Do y'all remember him? Yes. Yes. I remember okay. the game too. Well, I think I think there were two. I think there was like a platformer game that I never played. But the one that I remember was kind of a, a 
board game. They just put it on the Atari, I think it was. I'm not sure which game system it was. And I always forget the actual name of the game that you played. I think they call it Reversi now. But you have different colored spots or little discs on the game board. And when you make a move, because your, your point is to take up an entire row or diagonal of the game board and you flip the other colors once you get one of your colors on either side of a row and you flip all the colors on the other side. Every time you made a move, the spot would emerge and do cartwheels across the screen or do funny stuff. It was very entertaining. And that was a game that, amazingly enough, we played as family. And uh, my mom was oddly good at it. It was really weird. But that's one of my first game memories of a game that I really, really enjoyed. And it was a puzzle game. But it's called Spot, I believe. And it had the 7-Up Spot mascot in it. And it was really fun. Loved it. So Just to build off of that, did you ever play the Domino's Pizza game? No. I didn't know they had one. They did. It was for NES. I want to say it was called Yo Noid. <laughs> Almost positive that was the name. I had that game. It's funny you say that, though, because we we're having a big conversation about like marketing and branding and things. Obviously, we're all sort of desensitized now to product placement and things, whether it's games or movies or whatever it is. But last night, I watched the Pizza Hut horror movie. <laughs> it's an just, Indonesian film called oh, The Pool. It's, is that their training <laughs> training videos or what? <laughs> no, no. There's an a Indonesian horror film called The Pool which was financed by Pizza Hut. So you get a Pizza Hut logo in the opening titles and they like force Pizza Hut into multiple scenes of the movie, including full conversations about it that have nothing to do with the plot. Amazing. Good concept for a movie though. Like it was actually kind of a cool concept for a film. It's about a guy who gets stuck in a very deep diving pool, like one of those competition diving pools that's like 20 or 30 feet deep with a crocodile. And he has to survive in this pool with the crocodile. So it was a cool concept for a movie, but then they they force in like a Pizza Hut delivery guy shows up, <laughs> different things like that. It was it was really weird. <laughs> like I thought I was desensitized to product placement until that. So it was funny that Mel mentioned that. What is he yeah. is he going like, I'm so tired fighting this alligator up? I need to order a Domino's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's just, you know, you throw the pizza into the other end of the pool for the croc to go after, and then you climb out. How do you get trapped in a pool? So the pool gets drained. It's a drained pool. Oh. So oh. He's at, yeah, he's at the bottom of the drained pool with a crocodile. Oh, okay. I was envisioning it with water. <laughs> no, yeah, you're like, just get out of the pool. Of the pool. <laughs> end of movie. Go to Pizza Hut. <laughs> Simple, huh? So I hate to ask, but how did he end up in this situation? It would seem to me <laughs> it was massively avoidable. You know, he sees it a really crocodile is. down there, he doesn't go. <laughs> they really go out of their way for the setup of him getting trapped in the pool. Was he trying to get some Pizza Hut pizza and that's he, he risked the crocodile to get pizza because it's so good? So he is an animal trainer at a film shoot and they are filming in the pool and he's like semi homeless and ducking his girlfriend. <laughs> so when the shoot wraps, he's just hanging out at the pool and they drain the pool while he's messing around in the pool until enough water is drained that he can't get out on his own anymore and eventually that's, drains to the bottom. That's not a fast process. <laughs> it is not. Again, it, it is it's heavy handed to <laughs> the circumstances to get him there. It's an, in, it's an interesting movie. I like the concept of him being stuck in this this very deep pool with the crocodile and Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> well and 
So in a former life, I, I had a decent uh, amount of activity and involvement in social media, social media advertising, etc. And, you know, one of the cool things about Facebook was in a period of time, I think the privacy reasons, some of the stuff has changed now, but you could really dial it in to kind of say, this is the age, age range, this is the location, whatever. So I'm kind of imagine the Domino's marketing guy going in and checking the semi-homeless box <laughs> and dodging girlfriend <laughs> say we're gonna we're gonna hone in to this demographic well and that's the thing about it like i understand product placement in all types of films but to really be like we're sponsoring this film like logo in the beginning pizza hut throughout the film weird conversations about pizza hut out of nowhere between the very limited cast of characters that's in most of the film was he talking to the crocodile about pizza hut I no mean- no his girlfriend eventually finds him also gets trapped in the pool yeah. Yeah, after, after she got off work at pizza hut yeah then they have a whole conversation about how they wish they were having pizza hut instead of but it's see there's some of the subject matter just doesn't seem like something that I see being like a smooth pitch at a marketing meeting. Like I was trying to to picture how that pitch went down because there, there's definitely like I, I don't want to give anything away, but like there there's people and animals in peril at different points in the movie. There's a lot of talk about abortion. <laughs> things like that and again i know that this it's not an american film so maybe they were just thinking like it wouldn't make its way to vod here not not thinking pandemic and we want everything that we can possibly watch to keep ourselves occupied but like it just seems like an odd thing where you're like this is the pizza hut like somebody read the script and like somebody was assigned like go find us a movie that can be like our thing we're gonna pizza hut brand this whole movie and he's like guy ducking his pregnant girlfriend trapped in a pool desperately needs pizza hut before he gets killed by a crocodile <laughs> so so mike where can i watch this movie so i watched it on shutter i don't know if it's available on other streaming services or not i think it's on Dis- I disney Plus. came upon it totally randomly just flipping through things and i was like guy trapped in a pool with a crocodile okay then i turned it on pizza hut and i was like this just got weirder i'm even more in now <laughs> And it's oh. called The Pool? Yes, it's just called The Pool. The Pool on Shutter. I believe it's relatively new as well. I want to say it was a 2019 film. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't like 1975 where they were all willy-nilly with like, ah, put our name on whatever. This was like recent. <laughs> so he doesn't even have a cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> That's explained away too. <laughs> okay. The croc ate the cell phone. He's, t- he's in there ringing like the, the crocodile from Peter Pan. <laughs> Okay. And the driver is able and to find the crocodile. it is a sci-fi crocodile. channel level CGI crocodile. Just to- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm going to have to watch this movie. So I hope folks have enjoyed our discussion of arcade games. <laughs> <laughs> We did talk. Yeah. We did talk a little bit about it at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. just maybe just to, to wrap it up for this week's topic. What was your greatest disappointment for? Like it was some game, whether it was an arcade game or a game you purchased, computer that you were, or uh, for the Atari or for whatever that you were like, this is going to complete me. This is the thing I really want. And then you fired it up, and you had that sinking feeling where you go, Oh, I I've made a horrible mistake. I totally I totally hate this game. As you can probably tell by my description i have one <laughs> but i just i was gonna say yeah this is we're bringing up a, a traumatic memory it here is Kelly. it's a scar it's a scar but uh I, I need to prep myself for it so mel did you have that type of situation with anything a big disappointment uh, i'm trying to think if i've really felt that badly and what i'm bad when when i really 
apparently it hasn't generated enough hatred in me because usually if they're just mediocre and I can't stand them, I wipe them from my head. So I'm not having anything jump to mind about a game. Hmm. I did not like the sequel to Miss, which I can't even think of the name of now. Riven? <laughs> Riven. Yes. There you go. Thank you. I guess I was disappointed in that game. It wasn't. It wasn't what I wanted it to be, but... That's very low-key and not very interesting. Doctor, I'll think about it some more. Dr. Mike? I'm a big movie guy. Love movies, especially horror movies and action movies and stuff as a kid. Most of those, like if there was an R-rated property, they tried to make a kid's video game out of it. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s. And so there's tons and tons of like licensed movie games that I would rush out and get and use my birthday money or whatever, porn shop money or whatever it was on it. <laughs> That I didn't blow on arcade games and smokes. This is my porn <laughs> and shop most of those, yeah, most of those were terrible, terrible games. Uh, caveat to that, though, a game that it for at least I, I mean, I feel like now people have come around a little bit on it, but has been unfairly maligned for many, many years. Is the Friday the Thirteenth game for the original NES? Everybody talks about the game as being terrible, and I totally understand why. When you got the game is super complicated, and it has very difficult controls. The game itself is great, though. There's tons of cool stuff in there. Really fun game if you can learn how to play it. Unfortunately, the booklet that came with it, because it was geared to kids like me, just had like pictures of Jason and the story of the Friday the 13th movies and no explanation of how to play the game whatsoever. So it just totally dropped you in this very difficult, very complex game with no idea of what to do. So most people never saw any of that game <laughs> beyond just being dropped somewhere and instantly getting killed or wandering aimlessly until you get killed. Hmm. That did bring to mind the Farscape game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm a big fan of Farscape, the TV series, but they did make a video game that no one's ever heard of or really played because you really wouldn't play. <laughs> so anyway, it was a PC game, not console. But I'm amazed that I never came across the uh, the Friday the 13th game because I would have tried to play that if I knew about it. There's other Friday the 13th games that have been well-received, but that one was just universally hated for so long. And then um, eventually, like within the last 10 years, there was finally a guide <laughs> published for the game. <laughs> like now, 25 years after the game was released. And once people actually started getting into it, now I've seen more people saying positive things about the game. Not that it's the worst game ever made. It's, it is really hard and really complicated. And I hated it at first until someone I knew who was much better at the game and much further into it kind of explained it to me. And then once you got into the game, it did a lot of really cool stuff and it has sort of an proto open world design that at that time was unheard of in game. So it was really cool where it was almost like horror grand theft auto, <laughs> but the controls were so complicated and the missions were so just very vague <laughs> on what you had to do unless you knew what you had to do going into it. So I understand why people hated it, but once you kind of get a feel for the game, it's actually really fun. It was just ahead of its time because that's like how, how most of the survival type games are these days. They won't tell you how to control the game. It's like jump in there and figure out you have to find two sticks to rub together to make a campfire or the dinosaurs are going to eat you. Hello, Ark Evolved. <laughs> so yeah, see, there's a little edge there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I rage deleted that game. There you go. That sounds like a love it. See, that seems like the ticket then for what we're talking about. 
Yeah, I got a lot of hours into that game, but anyway. Yeah, so I uh, so a distant, far distant second. Uh, I was a big Duke. I love Duke Nukem. Really enjoyed that game, possibly because he kind of quotes Bruce Campbell from Army of Darkness, or actually the Evil Dead at that point in time. So we're talking Duke Nukem 3D, not the platformer Duke, Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem 3D. I mean uh, the 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 original uh, first person shooter Duke Nukem kind of deal, and not the platformer. And then there's a Duke Nukem 2 that was the first person shooter, and then for years, kind of like Winds of Winter type of weight, there was going to be Duke Nukem Forever, and the build-up <laughs> to this game was huge, uh, and it finally, finally, finally came out. And visually, it's pretty impressive uh, kind of deal, but uh, I think it was probably one of those things that the build-up waiting until this is going to have everything that Duke Nukem had in terms of humor and cool play, but just kind of fell a little flat. But that is a distant second to the bitter moment, which was, much like Mel, we had the Atari system, had, had a few games on it. Warlords was kind of breakout, defending castles and all those types. is really cool. Do all those. But they said, Pac-Man's coming out for the Atari. And this was yes, in the early 1900s uh, when, when <laughs> you're going through a $60 Atari game in the 1900s. <laughs> you know, So imagine what this thing would be now. And so finally they released it and they were sold out right away. And I'd go back again. And so I finally got Pac-Man. I'm going to be able to play Pac-Man on the Atari. This is great. And then I put that damn cartridge in and it is the most god awful port of pac-man you could possibly imagine uh and i had all this excitement i don't know i was kidding myself to think that it was remotely close to me. but this this wasn't this was like a three-year-old drawing pac-man and playing in there played it uh five minutes and it was done. And I didn't have porn store money to throw around like some people. So that, that 60 bucks hurt me. You know. I, I'm trying to remember. Did did I not play Pac-Man on the Atari? I know exactly I, what Kelly's was talking about. Oh, I, played I, I played it much later, but yeah. Maybe it was on the maybe it's on the NES. Yeah, I uh I played a lot of Pac-Man. We loved it. On the Atari? We were country bumpkin. Yeah. I don't know if it was on the Atari or not. I wasn't cataloging my early life in between feeding critters and painting fence and, you know, getting hay in. I got to play a video game now and again. We played Frogger, Pitfall. Using your porn money for smokes. (laughs) (laughs) I I would have swore I played Pac-Man on the Atari, but I'm possible it was NES. Well, Um, it could have been. I know I played it on the Atari. I know I played the arcade version, but I know I played one at home. Yeah, there, so. Maybe there was an Intellivision version that came out. It's like the cooler, older brother Atari games. Uh, Television always had a little better stuff going on. Uh, and maybe that was because you'd, you'd have remembered <laughs> if you played the original Atari 2600 pack. Because, oh my God, <laughs> it was so bad. I still may have just been dazzled that there were little pixels on the screen that moved around. <laughs> Well, you do either of you remember the Odyssey system, gaming system? Yes. Because that that was one where yeah, we didn't have one. it was basically a cursor. <laughs> the game system was a white cursor that you would put clings on your television screen. You're in a haunted house. So you put on the haunted house cling and then you'd move the cursor through the cling. And that was a an early game. One of our rich friends had the Odyssey, loaned it to us for a measly little twenty six hundred. Not impressed. <laughs> I mean at the time I guess I was a little bit, but uh, but upon we've come a little bit when it comes to- I believe there were uh more recent homebrew games for the Odyssey as well. <laughs> that could oh, be kind of- yeah, the clings would work a lot better on the flat screens now versus the dome TVs at the time. All right. Well 
That's a rich and robust first episode of talking video games occasionally. Pizza Hut a lot. Bored. A lot more porn star conversation than I would have anticipated, but it's all good. Any parting thoughts before we sign off, folks? Nope. Get out there and game, folks. Make sure you guys like and subscribe. There's a lot more gaming content coming. Uh, uh, uh.